Hi, and welcome to How to Ruin Dinner, Conversations from the University. This is your host, Mary Trays, and I'm here with James. James is already making eyes. I didn't even do anything yet, James Hayes. I guess I have a very judgmental face. I did not know that until now. <laughs> and our special guests have both been here before, and so I'm very happy to have you both back. Sarah Lachance Adams, Dr. Sarah Lachance Adams, who has one of the great titles. You want to give us your title? Uh, Florida Blue Distinguished Professor. Yeah, that distinguished is such a great, oh, that's such a great <laughs> word. And Skylar, who is now a senior Skylar Outler, was here in her sophomore year. So very happy to have you back, Skylar. Thank you. I'm excited it, to be back. It'll be fun to hear what you're thinking about and where you're pl- what you're planning to do. So maybe you could catch us up on your work so far and what you have plan after this year um, because graduation is around the corner. Yeah, it is. Um, I'm a senior now. I'm planning to go to to grad school, actually, for philosophy, so excited about that. Yeah, so you're in the application stage. Yes. Mm -hmm. And Sarah, do you want to tell us about your work and your what you're thinking about these days? Uh, sure. Um, so my latest project is about reproductive justice for trans and non-binary folks. So this, this is going to fit into our wider topic, which is why <laughs> you two are together. So do you want to tell us about your the paper you're working on, your yeah, sexual my, ethics yeah, so concerns? My thesis topic is about reformulating a um, sexual ethic that's based off of care and relation or more so relationships. And I'm trying to kind of like fight back against our like current sexual ethic that's based off of an ethics of justice, which is more about rights and universal laws and principles. Whereas you're thinking about care Mm -hmm. as the central concern of an ethicist, and and it's you. When we were talking, you you used the phrase a feminist care ethics. So maybe we should just break down that um, those terms, and maybe you can help us understand how, why you want to call it feminist. Why isn't it just care ethics? Um, care ethics does exist, but feminist care ethics is more so based off isn't based off of women's experience but it's more so to um it's more about um it's more about like creating e cre- creating equality between men and women and putting like ethics in the middle of it, if that makes sense yeah I mean, so is it to highlight in part to highlight the distinctively male masculine, not male, but masculine characteristics of other ethical systems? Is that what it is in part trying to accomplish by attaching feminist to that title? Yeah, I I I think it is that. It's so much more because there isn't something called like a male care ethic. It's just like what we think of ethics. It isn't even like care attached to it. Like it's so much about like it's really black and white. Um, our current ethical uh, approach and 
feminist care ethics is a lot about context. Um, you see a lot of intersectionality that is present within feminist care ethics. And um, it's a lot about like the, about how our relation to each other, it's a lot about like relationships and how we can like build a better, like, I don't, I don't wanna say world, God, that, that can kind of sound kind of cheesy, but like a better community if we care about our relationship to other people and how our actions can affect others. And typical, and like most, our current ethical approach is basically just how this is gonna affect me, not other people. Yeah, and you can see that within our current sexual ethic too, so. Yeah, how would you describe our, the way many of us, and um, you know, I'm religious studies, so mm -hmm. I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna pull up Judeo-Christian, you know, Islamic, the Abrahamic traditions, and the way in which um, sexual ethics has definitely had um, taboos attached to it, and right and wrong, um, almost exclusively, I would say. Um, and you're talking about getting away from that. Mm -hmm. But how do you see sort of the religious component of our thinking when it comes to sexual ethics, yeah, when it I, I'm, I'm just trying to to point out. I think what I'm trying to yeah, do I kind of see what you're talking is, about. Yeah, I'm trying to say that there's a philosophical component to it, but there's also this deeply religious component to it. I think when we talk about sex, mm -hmm. that's always there, and I wonder if you deal with that sort of as a separate issue, or do you try to stay just with a philosophical approach? Mm -hmm. Did, you talked about justice before. Mm -hmm. Well, I see a lot of our like ideas of like sex and like what is right and wrong. You see a lot with like within Christianity, like don't have sex before marriage. Um, um, sex is only only between a man and a woman, and like um, sex is purely for procreation. And um, yeah, like that is even like within secular culture now, where like. Um, sex where like you were looked down upon for having sex before marriage or like um just having sex with someone that you don't really like want to be with romantically like it's yeah. like yeah like you like yeah like you see the religious elements now within about sex within like circle cir secular culture too and do you think this feminist care ethics is able to kind of separate a little bit more easily from that. Yeah, I think um, what Skylar said is really helpful and it definitely connects all of these together. So like what you were, your example, Skylar, are about prohibitions. Don't do this, don't do that. Or maybe you can do this in certain circumstances. Um, if you wanna have a child, yes, and if you don't, no. Um, so that non-interference or that prohibition model that we see, um, for example, in Christianity, yeah. thou shalt not. Um, that is similar to the rights-based model. Um, people have rights to not be interfered with. Don't interfere with me, and I won't interfere with you. Um, and that's a lot of what our sexual culture has to do with. Did you get consent or not? Um, well, feminist philosophers know that that's a very complicated question, actually, <laughs> because as Schuyler said, it has to do with context. What context are you in? The way that care ethics, feminist care ethics is different is 
it's not a question of is it a prohibition that you're violating or did someone interfere? It's is this person being cared for? And that's a radically different question. Right. Did, and, did uh, you take care of this person is a different question from did you violate their rights? Right. And, and what I, Skylar, what I liked about learning about all this is, is it, it's a counter to kind of more traditional versions of ethics, but like Dr. Rosjans Adams is saying, it's kind of a little bit of against, uh, here's a firm rule, yeah. you know, like, cause we asked you like, are there any rules that you want, uh, or any prescriptions you want to come out of your essay? And you're like, no, yeah. you know, and it's like, you're going in that direction of looking accepting the, uh, subjectivity of it in a yeah. way, the, the contextual nature of it, which is like scary for a lot of people, people yeah. where they're like, I just want to rule and to follow it. And you're like, no, there's way more to it. And we're excluding a lot if we just kind of go towards a simple rule. Yeah. Cause I think ethics, a lot of people view ethics as being, um, what is good what is bad and what is right and wrong. And I think that's so limiting. Like ethics yeah. is more, I've, I feel like ethics should be how we interact with, with each other yeah. in like social settings. Yeah. And like, and like, there are no right or wrongs when it comes to that. Like, it really does depend on like each situation. Right. So, if like trying to have rules when it comes to sex is like, it's like it loses the like power and like the fun mm -hmm. that sex can bring. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. yeah, absolutely. Well, the yeah, there's so much to go there <laughs> to, to go after there. Yeah, I, I can ask a question about that. You can talk about fun. <laughs> sex I mean what's the point of that <laughs> I mean like because I because I feel like well this is my experience going through sex ed um it was really like it wasn't scary because my mom always talked to me about this type of about sex but I remember we had someone come in uh, talking about HIV per, pre prevention and he was like you know just use condoms or if he, he always told us to use condoms but the best way to like not get HIV is by just not having sex. And I think that, like, I know, like, the sentiment was meant to help. I feel like there's, like, something within that statement that's, like, don't do it until, until like, X, Y, Z happens. It's not, like, do it, you know, but be safe. It's just, like, holding off. And I think that's just, I think that's, I think it's even more, more tempting to want to do it than trying to keep us safe, if that makes sense. Absolutely, yeah, because I, I went to Catholic high school and it, that kind of yeah. sounds like what they told us. Um, and, and it's kind of interesting how they handle sex ed because they really don't. <laughs> and then like one day in high school, you get like a, uh, uh, in my high school anyway, you get like just a whole day on sex ed. And then it's like, at the end of it, they're like, yeah, but it's a sin to do it before marriage. So don't do it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, and it's like, there's the prescription again. It's like, this is a sin, no matter the context, no matter the situation, no matter who mm. is involved. It just always is if, mm. if marriage is not involved. And it's kind of regressive, in, in my opinion. I'm sure everyone agrees with yeah, that. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> yeah. And as I understand your project, Skylar, you want to also talk, not just talk about how sex can be bad, but also how it can be enriching to our lives yeah. and how it can actually be an important part of um, living a rich, vital life with other people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I feel like sex is, so I'm going to talk about um, Emmanuel Levinas. Um, he wrote a book called Totality and Infinity. He talked about something called Good Soup, and the Good Soup are, like, our I are like ideas. And, um, yeah, they're our ideas, our passions, things that we like, and these things um, no um, 
nor nourish nourish us yeah and i think sex is part of that good soup it it literally enriches our relationships with other people it like it like it doesn't have to but sometimes it leads to procreation even more life so i think and like and like out and outside of procreation sex like it it creates a relation with the other and it even like um creates a better understanding of me and that other person so um it's yeah I forgot the question but yeah well one of the things that strikes me as we're talking about this word care right and one of the words we usually have associated with sex is love and I wonder if you could talk about how caring is distinct from loving and I know that love is this this huge word you know and (laughs) we mean all kinds of things when we talk about my love for James is different than my love for Sarah is well maybe not but my <laughs> no but, but yeah. suddenly I'm these, jealous we, James we have all these kinds of love like I, you love your children different than you love your your partner. husband yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. romantic versus a, a pog yeah, I mean, love, love there are yeah. all these and and some involve devotion and some involve obligation but care has not does not carry that weight, I don't think. So how are you, why the word care over love? Um, because care, because care is about longevity and the, and the, and the sustaining, and the, the sustaining of something. Like, I like to think about. Mm -hmm. That's a, that's a very interesting. I like to think of, of, um, laws and how most laws shouldn't be made with just justice they should be made with care and i like to use roe v wade um so i feel like I, so i feel like when roe v wade was first passed in like the 70s i think it was made with a sense of justice it's okay so so women de, so women need the need this right to have the choice to have a choice to do with whatever they want to do with their bodies but if care was in but if care was involved it would there were been things in place like making sure that the um, foster care or the adoption systems were like you know not um, were, were actually good and safe for for kids. Um, there were better welfare pro, pro better welfare programs for mothers and um, kids, and like um, healthcare was actually affordable. Like there would be things in place to make sure that Roe v. Wade wouldn't be overturned, but if it Sorry, but if it was overturned, there would be things in place that would help people and they wouldn't be left stranded with nothing to fall back on. It's really about making sure, cares about the well-being of that person. And it isn't like a short-term thing where I think laws and sometimes even love is can be short-term, but cares always, um, is always, a, should be at the basis of like everything. Right. And so that, that our central concern would be to allow, I mean, in the case of Roe v. Wade, what you're talking about is so that women would be making decisions based on their particular situations and what's best for them as opposed to what's expedient and what they need to do in order to be able to feed the children they already have, Mm -hmm. to be able to finish school, right? People are making decisions not based on what they want or what is good for them, but what they need to do is yeah. that 
Mm-hmm. Do I understand that's yeah. the Care, distinction? Yeah. It's like because like even what you what you listed like that needs like like that that's gonna like those are things that are long term. Like how will finishing school impact me in the long term? How will and society, I mean, you can go out from you personally, right, to your immediate family, mm-hmm. to your larger family, to your mm-hmm. society. Uh, those are those are long-term ter- implications and wider implications, implications of yeah. care yeah. Yeah. that you don't find in um, rules in the same way yeah. that, that are predicated on the idea of justice as fairness mm-hmm. or justice as access or right, right. Or wrong. yeah, right. And, and then, I'm, I'm working on a another project that's arguing for abortion rights based on caring for women who need them. So right now, women who can't access abortion um, until they're nearly dead from having a dead fetus inside of them. If we were taking care of these women, we would care for them and say this woman is really ill she's about to die let's or maybe let's not make it so that she has to be about to die before we can give her treatment um it's about nurturing and nourishing and that's why like i my heart just always gets excited when skylar talks about good soup um (laughs) and how i mean i think that that's such a great image for it and love, you know, entails a lot of strife sometimes. That, but care and nourishing and nurturing—that um, is a different phenomenon. Love can entail care, but care is about, like Skylar said, the well-being, someone else's well-being, so that they can flourish and grow. And as you said, Mary, that passes on to other people too. So, yeah, yeah I mean, one another part about love especially the way we talk about sexual love and romantic love, and those get <laughs> tangled up when they, they can be disentangled. Um, but they often focus on, at most, right, two people. Maybe, maybe there's a larger group, but it's a, it's a confined group. <laughs> maybe I mean literally confined. But um, <laughs> that's, that's another podcast. That's another, yeah, we'll have to explore that. But when you talk, when you center sex within a caring context, um, it seems to me that there's uh, no way to sort of um, not see the other. Okay. Whereas with romantic love, you can be in love with the idea of love, right? People say that all the time, that they're in love with the idea of love, which to me, always sounds as if they're looking in the mirror, right? The right. person involved is themselves. But or they're in love with the ideal of another person. That's yeah. just really yeah. like, I don't yeah. know, they, a Freudian projection of their mother or something like that. Like, you can, you can oh, get way into uh, it. Yeah, another podcast. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but within that uh, model, it's, it's easy to lose um, the obligations of caring. Um, to paper over them, it seems to me. And do you think that's another kind of benefit that the other cannot be lost? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. to care is an, is always extended. There's no sort of romantic mythology around mm. care that I can think of, mm. right? That like, a mother's love is 
like, maybe the closest thing maybe I can think of. Very, very. Yeah. How dare you? Um, I think, yeah, I think, because like, I remember I took pregnancy, ethics of pregnancy, childbirth, and mothering, talking about mother's love is such, it, it, it really does go back to how the feminine traits of um, nurturing, um, being soft, um, and even care it, as a disposition that only women can have. And it's really limiting, not just to women, but to men. And it allows men to not view, it allows men not to actually try to be caring and try to develop things like empathy. Um, or it becomes a weakness, it's seen yeah. as. And, and that's to your point that we were discussing in our pre-interview yeah. about vulnerability. Yeah, like vulnerability. Um, but yeah, but, but I'll get to that. Yeah, but with sorry. care being, no, 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 it's going to make, it's going to connect. But like with care, so like care is not, care should not be viewed as a disposition, but it should be viewed as a value, something that we should all want to have. Okay. And, um, and like, and like, so thinking back to how care um, is usually seen as a disposition for women, it limits, it. men see caring as only a feminine trait that women should naturally like have and it and it doesn't make them and it makes care not a vow not a actual vow not a actual value and I think that um that's where in our sexual ethic um our current sexual ethic where like we lose that that um that um that act that the aspect of of vulnerability because most I don't, I don't want to say, so mo- say most men but men kind of have this guard up Sometimes I think it just as people now we have a guard up and it's like, I don't want to get hurt. So I'm not going to allow my feelings to be involved. But I feel like if so without vulnerability, we will never even have the chance to even like feel the potential pleasures of sex or just pleasures of like good things happening. If we are so scared of being vulnerable and being broken down. Right. So I think you're right on about that because a lot of men don't even know what they feel. It's like yeah. they just know they don't want to feel bad. But what's bad? I, <laughs> you know, most men don't even know. And it's it's like uh, like that whole message. Like it seems like uh, a meme, but it's true. Like I, in my experience, it's true. Like don't be sensitive. Men don't aren't sensitive, and it's like <laughs> but okay. you need that sensitivity. Yeah. Not and like not even within sex, but within yeah. like life. Like yeah, in general, knowing that I hurt someone, yeah. it's like, oh, I am so sorry. Like, I'm actually sorry. I feel bad that, like, you feel bad and, like, right. you correct your action. Right. Um, yeah, like, feelings are so important in, like, yeah. our interactions with, with other people. Like, um, like yeah, like, those, like, like, feelings are really important. They're not bad things. And I think feeling things like rage or anger, yeah. like, those aren't bad things. Like, those things are very un- like, normal. Right. I, like, Obviously, you shouldn't let them get to the point where you take out on other people, but, like, feeling those feelings, like, that's how, like, that makes you, I don't want to say that makes you human, but, like, that's how I feel connected to, like, that's how I feel my humanity. That's how I know, like, I'm alive. Like, yeah. you know, like, this message kind of been kind of rough, and, like, I remember I felt, like, really sad and even, like, heartbroken at one point, and I'm, like, but, like, this is, like, I don't want to say this is life, but feeling these feelings, like, I'm human, like, you know? So, like, I feel like that can even, like, go into, like, sex, too. Like, I'm not saying sex is, like, a human thing that we have to do, but, like, feeling those things, like, feeling pleasure is normal. And, like, 
it's something that like if you want to experience it, you like you it isn't a bad thing and it's a normal thing to want too. Right. So. And, and that's what I like about that uh, the analogy of the nourishing soup and all that yeah. stuff where it just it sex is a part of it, but it's not the whole thing and that kind of curtails the potential critique of, you know, Oh, you know, what about sex addicts? Like that—that's all. What they're all their whole life is about. For a lot of people, that's how they just kind of like not nullify, but they like numb out their mm -hmm. no, emotions by feeling like a super high emotion, like for you know whatever five to seven minutes, and mm -hmm. then like that's it, you know. Yeah. And it's like I don't want to feel any of this bad stuff. I'm just gonna you know blot it out with with this really great feeling, and then the, it's just a cycle of addiction and repeating and repeating it. But it's like. No, it's part of, like, it's a healthier way of going about it. It's like a part of the soup. It's not yeah. the whole thing. Can I throw something else out? Yes. So I know that Skylar um, got really inspired by Bell Hooks, and that's something I haven't had a chance to ask you about yet. Yeah. So um, do you mind talking a little about Bell Hooks and what you think about her work? Yeah. Um, so it was, over, no, it was not this summer, but summer before that, I read all about love. And um, there's a certain chapter, I think, I forgot the um, chapter number, but it's called The Love Ethic. And she's basically saying how love should be at the basis of everything that we do and how we should have love for, 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 for each other and love that we have for different people in our lives. It shouldn't be necessarily different, but it should be a different degree, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, obviously, for my partner it's going to be like a different level but it isn't different than for my friends and then she goes into actually the and then she actually uses the example of like not ditching your friends for your new partner because like they because you both love them and they both um matter a lot to you it's just like a different relationship a different like I don't want to say different love, but just like a different degree, if that makes sense. Different context. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it goes back to that theme of equality that we we're talking about with, with feminist care ethics. Mm -hmm. It's about, you know, it's this love and this love. It's not better or worse than the other. It's just different, different yeah. context, different person. Yeah. And she yeah. also goes into how if, if um, love was like actually pushed into our society, we wouldn't have things like, um, it wouldn't like we, like like domination wouldn't be um, seen so much in our society by men or by women, um, and power would wouldn't be seen as a as a good thing, but seen as a bad thing because like you lack I don't want to say you lack love, but like you have a love of a material thing, not of community or others. So, so that was another thing you talked about before, as love is possession, where. I think you were arguing that care precludes that sense of possession and hierarchical yeah. um, relationships. Mm -hmm. The obligation to care is on both sides. Yeah. Right. So, so that that becomes the standard. Mm -hmm. um, you know, are we cared for? Yeah. As opposed to are we loved? Mm -hmm. And and in that context, I mean, it would be easy to conflate those two words, I would think, or find ways in which they share similarities. Um, but I, I do think it's a little bit harder to talk about care maybe in, in hierarchical ways of mm -hmm. so that you're disrupting a power dynamic, yeah. which is what feminism is really trying to do all the time. <laughs> Although in some cases... And this is partly why I think as um, 
Skylar was saying, it is important that it's a feminist care ethics because feminism is about dissecting power dynamics. Um, care can become uh, a power-ridden uh, activity. So, for example, you might think about someone taking care of someone else who um, has disabilities that prevent them from defending themselves. You know, there is a lot of cases of elder abuse, for example. Yeah. People can get resentful. Um, there's a lot of cases of mothers hurting their children. Um, and those are cases where there is an obligation to care. There's a sense of an obligation to care. Um, the power dynamics are very one-sided. And oftentimes the caregiver is in a position of exploitation, um, not because of the person that they're taking care of, but because we have a society that lacks support for caregivers. Yeah, but in that context, you really are kind of changing the meaning of what it, of care, aren't mm -hmm. you? I mean, t in in order to meet what you're meaning is you, are, I think what we mean in that context is you have an obligation to see to their needs. Mm -hmm. so, and so I would want to make that distinction. This is why definitions would be so critical. Mm -hmm. So the, a difference between seeing to the needs and the obligations of making sure they get to school on time is very different than a genuine care that sees to the well-being of the relationship. Mm -hmm. Is that what I should be so pointing us towards? So that's a really good the, point. And I'm going to pass this to Skylar in, in just a minute. But um, there's a great article um, by Virginia Held called Care as Practice and Value. And so these things are really intertwined. Mm -hmm. So you may have the value, but if you don't have the practice, mm -hmm. what's the point of the value? Mm -hmm. So they're, they're very deeply intertwined. Um, and the people who perform the practice are supposed to have the value. Right. Like before you just said, like mothers may be the closest thing to those who care. But we all we know that sometimes they just don't. Yeah. Um, or they would. But the circumstances are so rough that it's difficult for them to maintain the practice, even when they do hold the value. So but Skylar, do you want to add anything about that? I was actually going to agree to a point you um, said about um, mothers and caretakers. It's really and how it goes to exploitation, because if we see care as a disposition that like a woman or a mother has, we will actually overlook the, um, their, um, we, we actually look, we actually overlook the, um, overlook the signs of abuse that they're mm. doing to that person. Mm. And we're like, oh, well, you know, that, you know, that's just a mom taking care of her kid, you know, her like, Instead of being, oh, well, she shouldn't have, like, hit him in the store and yelled at him that way. It's like, oh, it's just a mom caring for her kid. It's like, is that really, like, what care is? And is that, you know, we have to really question, like, what, like, how— What are they doing in yeah. that sort of, I mean, back to your point of practice? Mm -hmm. And also parents have a right to their children. Yeah. Okay, well, what's—are there limits to that? Yeah. yeah. But oftentimes that, like you said, it's ignored— because it's seen as a disposition, not as something that is... Well, I don't know that, Skylar, that it isn't seen as a right. Care? Well, the, the mother and the parent... Well, both, has, I think. Yeah, yeah, probably both. But that we don't interrupt a mother who's smacking her kid because she has a right to raise her kid. 
the way she wants, I think is often how people see it. I mean, I've asked this question mm-hmm. in class before, you know, what would you do if you saw a mother in the grocery store smack her kid? And most people, People, uh, I turn and walk down a different aisle. Yeah. They don't want anything to do with it. Um, not because they think it's good, but that in some way they don't have a right to interfere. Mm-hmm. Um, so I wonder if it's not about, you know, our ethical systems being so geared towards right and wrong laws. Oh, Sierra. So listen to the words you use. They're perfect. They don't have a right to interfere, but what would be a caring response? Mm -hmm. You would interfere because, like, you would interfere because the well because the well being of that child is you care about. Yeah, but but you can show care. It's not interference to care. You you can care for the child. You can care for the adult. I'm sure they'll be the adult would be very confused by this (laughs) because that Mm -hmm. is not a response anybody's expecting. Yeah. Um, yeah, to care but, for the mother, to say, hey, wow. Is there anything well, can I can I do for you? you? <laughs> yeah, this looks like a bad day. Can, yeah. What can I do to help you? Would, yeah. would be startling. Because often, as, a, as opposed to condemning her and saying, what do you mm-hmm. think you're doing? Mm-hmm. It's a very different response to that, care. honestly, is not going to be very helpful. No. Right. <laughs> no. You're just going to get defensive. Yeah. What do you know? Or angry. Yeah, right. Yeah, They're going to go back yeah. to the... Yeah. To the emotion involved, and and but that's not something we're often taught mm-hmm. how to. Yeah. What is the caring? The problem question. with caring is that, and then this ties back to your project, is that caring makes you vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Caring makes you vulnerable. Vulnerable to get hurt, and I think that people mm-hmm. my age. Um, we are really scared of getting hurt. Uh, hey, listen, my age too. I don't want to get hurt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I do. No I do. Getting hurt. <laughs> I get really scared of like getting hurt and like becoming traumatized. And like, I think, like, and, and like I said earlier, like, you have to put yourself out there. You have to be vulnerable to even potentially have that good experience. And I think with like sex, like you're being so vulnerable in that moment with another person. And I think the other person that, that you're with in that moment has a responsibility to uphold your your um, otherness, your alterity. Um, and Levinas talks about this in his book, not about sex specifically, but he talks about like when we, um, when we actually interact with the other through, which is through language and it's, and it's like, um, and it's and and it's sustained through um, their face. We are taking on their. We're taking on a responsibility for that other person. When we really look at their face, is when, that what you're saying? When like, we really what, see them. Well, not really see, not really see, not really seeing them. Just like looking at someone. Like I'm taking on their. Re- I'm like I'm I'm like you are showing me your alterity, and I'm and I'm and I'm acknowledging that, and um. I don't know that word. What is the word you're using? Alterity. It's yeah. um. It means like other, like outside of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like different from me. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. recognizing that that other person is so themselves that I have to respect that they're not just like some other me. Mm-hmm. They are themselves, and that causes this realization mm-hmm. that it's like a massive respect. Yeah. 
for that person. And it's really cool because when I first read about it, it's actually in philosophy, love, and sex, and it all made sense. It was like when I am with someone else or like tie, tie back into I'm sex. When I'm having sex with another person, I am seeing um, their alterity, and I have a reason. And I have a responsibility to um, uphold that, to respect them. And like he says, um, and to keep keep an awareness of it at all times. Is that well? Because is it that's like, a very different language mm-hmm. than traditionally we've talked about with sex, especially if you think again, you know, in this idea of you become one. To to mm-hmm. talk about alter, uh, uh, alterity. alterity. This is a new word for me. <laughs> alterity is is really a sea change in what, you know, the way I think many of us have been mm-hmm. taught about sex and the power of sex to become one mm-hmm. that is r- really different in a powerful way if I have to continually see the other in the midst of this very physical and exciting and, you know tingling (laughs) moment of mine Mm -hmm. to keep the other in mind at that moment would be, I don't, well, I don't want to reveal too much, but that's Mm -hmm. extraordinary, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That, that that's really a powerful way, I think, of thinking about what sex is in relation to others Yeah, Mm -hmm. and an ethic that, that focuses on that. that focuses and that's on why that. I really I like, think that's really powerful. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I like feminist care ethics so much with um, Emmanuel Levinas and Totality and Infinity because most ideas, not saying most, but some ideas that are in Totality and Infinity, they support fem- they support feminist care ethics about caring relations and caring practices. Like, so through, so so in Totality and Infinity, he talks about how um, through, through discourse and through language, that's how the other is like introduced to us and the face like keeps that going. And so thinking about um, sex, like thinking about sex when it comes to consenting, um, even that can kind of be limiting in a way because um, me saying yes to something, I can say no the next moment and they can go back and forth. I think for some people that's scary, but I think keeping that open line of communication, going back to um, language being welcoming the welcoming the welcoming the other, um, and them and them going back and forth, not being sure, that is. I don't want to. Hmm, it's this. I don't want to say. I had a really good point I was going to make. It's literally being aware of. Of the other, mm-hmm. and so it's um, like their alterity. If you're there in appreciation of like, wow, this is a whole other world I'm mm-hmm. facing in this other person, it's not really that that jarring if they're to say yes or no. Oh yes, I like this. Oh, but that. Mm-mm. Oh, but this. Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, but that. No. I mean, you're already in awe of a whole other world, yeah. which is this whatever behind this person's eyes. Mm-hmm. I mean. I don't know. That's where I thought you were going. Yeah. Uh, okay. I think I, re- I actually remember now. Like that turns into vulnerability. Being like, I'm not sure if I like that, or and and even turning it back to to, to even turning back to the other person. Like, I'm not sure if like she's liking this or if he's liking this or if, or if she wants this or not. That's another point of vulnerability. Mm-hmm. 
And um, it, and do, do you think it lends itself to going beyond? I mean, we all I think know ways in which language confines us, right? Mm-hmm. And limits, and we are not able to express ourselves fully because the words themselves are confining. But with this alterity, um, is it then acting um, in support of a deeper understanding than words alone could help to bring to it? Yeah. That you have to come to consent with an awareness of the context of the relationship as well as the language that's being used and really seeing their face sometimes maybe you're too close but mm-hmm. the, yeah. that idea that there's this whole being right yeah. that you're he actually in talks relation a, he actually with. talks about that how meaning per, meaning comes before um meaning comes meaning comes before thought and meaning becomes comes before language like we have and I and, and when I first read that I thought of um I actually thought about like babies and how when babies cry like they may not all uh, they may not be conscious enough to know that oh like I'm crying because I need my need to be changed but it means something to us you know it's a sign and like well, it certainly comes before language, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but even then, maybe crying is like a form of language for babies, mm-hmm. at least for it, them. Right. Yeah. yeah, and well, even you know, it's kind of like con. It's like uh, when we view our appearances, it's the uh, yeah. it's informed by our a priori uh, mm-hmm. conceptions. So. Yeah, like yeah. it comes like <laughs> meaning comes before anything else, and like I think that's so powerful because like with meaning, it gives. I don't want to say it gives meaning to other things, but it gives things like signs their importance. And he even says that, like, it gives um, signs their their um, their their significance. And, and I thought that was really powerful and like really cool. How like this, how how like um, things like that, like language and meaning, comes before um, reason and like logic and like though like these things give birth to those things and how like even goes into saying how ethics should be the first first philosophy how it should be at the root of like all philosophical questions like how do we treat other people and our relate and our relationship to to them and yeah I thought that was really cool like because like that like sparked something because like because um, I'm always gonna well be- I think it's counterintuitive right in some ways we think meaning follows thought and language and mm-hmm. you have to express it in order to get there. But meaning's always here. Like meaning's yeah, that, everywhere. And like even goes on to saying that without the other, like meaning wouldn't be ex wouldn't be possible because who would we share this meaning with? Like who would we talk to? So who would we cry at? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like the others is, is like Or who the other- would we even Right, see ourselves through. I mean, part of relations is seeing yourself and through the eyes of and others. And understanding yourself. And like, Absolutely. Because without the other, I don't understand where I am. I don't know right. who I am, even without the other. So if, so like, so in totality and infinity, he really, he really does, like, support um, feminist care ethics when he talks, because he talks a lot, because, like, even though he doesn't say it, like, outright, like, this supports the idea of community and um, kind of goes against the like modern notion of me, 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 and 
um, kind of like this capitalist idea yeah. that we do have about others and ourselves. Well, the American myth of the, you know, the rugged individual who's out there conquering yeah. Yeah. He definitely doesn't the world have by yeah. himself, uh, right, making a way for herself without, mm-hmm. without either the support of others or in obligation mm-hmm. to others. Um, and I think in the last couple of years, we've talked a lot about entitlement as a lack of recognition of the way in which we are, um, where we are on the backs of others, right? We, we depend on others for our own education, for, for our well-being, so, for our, for our well-being yeah. from the beginning. And we fail to see the ways in which we're obliged mm-hmm. Like, through our, uh, through our, you know, like um, feminist care ethics, like they they always use the, always use the example of um, how as babies we rely, like we depend on someone else to care for us, because without that, like we wouldn't be alive. Literally, we'd die from either neglect or from like starvation for not being changed. And so, like trying to dismiss care, it's kind of like you were like dismissing like the reason for our existence right now. Yeah. And, like, I think that can even go back to, like, sex. Like, like, I know at least for me, when I have sex with, with another person, I'm thinking about how this is going to impact them. Like, even, like, the, um, and how this is going to impact them in the long term. Like, if I'm not, like, if we're not using protection, that's going to impact both of us. But that's going to impact that person with every other relationship they're going to have or every other sexual and or every other sexual experience they will have, um, not like, you know, not asking if they're okay or you know can potentially tr- um, traumatize them and cause like problems when it comes to um, sex with other people in the future. Like care is literally at the root of care should be at the root of everything that we do, and that includes sex, obviously. So I think we should leave it right there. That was a perfect, yeah. perfect <laughs> summation. Yeah, Skylar, really Sarah, James, thank <laughs> you for this afternoon. It was great to see you both again and talk to you both again. Yeah, thank you thank so you. much. Thank you. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> tell us, have you ruined, ruined dinner? Skylar, would you please? Yeah, I'm um, actually talking about my sex life. <laughs> yeah, it was my cousin's birthday dinner, and like something came up, and I was like, "Yeah, like I, yeah, like you know, just use like this type of lube." And I was like, "Oh," and I was in front of like a bunch of uncles and like younger cousins and cousins who were like a little bit older than me, and they, I don't think they see me in that way. I'm like, "Oops, well, cousin Skyler, what's lube?" Yeah, and I was like, "Um, well, there it is." So, oh, but did the conversation just stop? Um. I don't remember. I think I was a little bit too embarrassed. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, did, okay. did you just have one of those moments I was like, where oh, you were out and of everyone body? Just looked around and like some. I, th- I think our food actually came. Meanwhile, your aunts and uncles are like, "How do you spell that?" Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I don't think we've ever had a better story. Than yeah, that. I don't think we have either. That's a good one. That is a very good one. I'm glad I remembered to ask. Yeah, I was like, I was, so I was hoping that you didn't forget because I thought it was really good. Oh, I almost did. Okay, this time I'm turning the machine off. Okay.